Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, my friend, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. People, we are faith walkers and we strive to live godly each and every day. So, what do I want to talk about today? Reckless living. Just living like the devil. But for the one who has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, we are called to stand firm. Amen. And so we are going to be looking at First Peter chapter 4 today because we must keep our eyes on the strategy, on the game plan, if you will. As we are walking in the new birth, we need to see what we ought to be doing and what not to be doing who we need to hang around with, and whom we do not, absolutely not, need to be around because bad company does corrupt good morals. So I want to talk about reckless living and what does that look like because not long ago, child of God, we were all there. And sometimes we seem to forget that we are called to go, comma, and sin no more. So, today's lesson serves as an excitation and encouragement. We need to encourage one another, keep each other accountable, because that's the real purpose of Hebrews 10:26 to not forsake the assembling of one another we need to fellowship 
So what? We can't meet face to face. That is why God has allowed these platforms, whether it be on YouTube, social media, podcast, to get his message of holy living out. So, as your sister in Christ, today we are going to be looking at how we once lived because we can't go back to that reckless living and to also serve as a reminder of what it did look like because sometimes we have to do a drive-by on the life we once lived only only because it serves a purpose in us to stand firm so that we don't get blindsided by trials and tribulations and temptations that look to draw us back to that old life. So so sometimes we must remind ourselves what we came out of and what we are striving to accomplish, allowing the perfect sanctification process to have its work. So, before we get started, let us pray. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we love you and we want you and we honor and revere your holy name. We love your commandments. Father, sometimes we do have to remind ourselves of from whence we've come from. If for nothing else to serve as a measurement of where we are in the faith, because Father, it can it can be tempting to take this good, peaceful, new life for granted, thinking that we have somehow arrived. And then we get self-righteous, high and mighty, that we know God and you don't. We repented and you haven't. So when we look into your word, Father, You tell us clearly how we once lived so that that serves as the reminder because as we study it, we see that we are commanded and exhorted to not go back to that life. And so if we have forgotten what that life was, your word tells us exactly what was happening so that we don't find ourselves going back to it. Father, I'm looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride. Amen. So that he may be exalt so that he may exalt you 
to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him. Why? For you care about us with deepest affection and watches over us very carefully. Father, you tell us in verse 8, be sober, well-balanced, and and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times that that enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, hungry, seeking someone to devour. Verse 9, you give us the strategy against our enemy. You said, but resist him, be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. And this is the promise, Father. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. Glory be to your name, Father, to him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty, forever and ever. Amen, Father. I can't tell you enough how encouraging your word is that no matter what we go through, these tests, these trials, these, these temptations serve as exercise equipment for us so that we can strengthen our faith muscles in Christ. We don't have to worry about our lives. We don't have to have any anxiety about what's going on. We position ourselves to be at the ready, to to live clean lives, to have clean hands and a clear conscience so that whatever fiery trial comes our way, we are in the position to hear from heaven what to do next because the first option is not to panic but to position ourselves in holiness in calmness and wait on the Lord lean our ears to heaven to see what's the next step Is it to go 
or to stay. So, Father, I want to bring encouragement to your people today <clears throat> that, <clears throat> excuse me, number one, we don't go back to that reckless way of living. And number two, to put our full trust in the God who sent the Lord Jesus Christ to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness so that we are no longer slaves to unrighteousness, but to be free men and women, bond servants of the Lord. Father, I pray that today's lesson bring you glory. May the Holy Spirit move on me. I ask for wisdom and discernment and clarity of mind to teach this lesson today. Help me, Lord. I give you all my praise, all the glory, all the honor goes to the true and living God who sits high and look low. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Folks, I tell you, I, I can get wrapped up in prayer <laughs> to the glory of God. So listen, we are going to be reading out of 1 Peter chapter 4. Because, again, like I said, we need to be spiritually minded where we are. Because to be carnal minded that means we keep our eyes on the problems of life, the cares of the world, trying to run around with our old friends, getting back to that life. For what? There is no comfort in, in you giving up your faith just because a problem comes knocking at your door. Look at it for what it is. It is another opportunity to prove that your faith is in fact genuine. Because truth be told, how would you know you have faith if everything is just going so hunky-dory in your life, which is good. Look, listen, <laughs> we, we strive to keep the nonsense away from us so that we can live in the peace that Jesus left for us. Because this world with, in their quote-unquote peace, it ain't peace, not at all. So come on, let's come over here to 1 Peter 4, and I'm going to try to keep this short today. I'm going to try. I don't know what the Holy Spirit got in store because he be on the move. Glory be to God. So as chapter 4 is opening up, it starts off with therefore since. So we need to find out why was Peter saying therefore, because apparently in chapter three, he laid down some awesome truths. So if we just back up a little bit to chapter three over here in verse 10, and this for me is the highlight of chapter three that leads us into chapter four 
with the word therefore. So, First Peter three verse ten says, "The one who wants to enjoy life and see good days." I'm reading from the Amplified today, people. The one who wants to enjoy life and see good days, good whether apparent or not, must keep his tongue free from evil and his lips from speaking guile, treachery, deceit. He must turn away from wickedness and do what is right. He must search for peace. With God, with self, with others, and pursue it eagerly, actively, not merely desiring it. You see, we must search out for this peace. Verse twelve: For the eyes of the Lord are looking favorably upon the righteous, the upright, and His his ears are attentive to their prayer, eager to answer. Amen. That's some good news because if you are in unrighteousness, God won't hear your prayers. He won't answer them. The Bible just told us He is eager to answer the prayers of the righteous, but. The face of the Lord is against those who practice evil. Amen. So, come over here to chapter four. Therefore, having said all of that and much more, Peter says, "Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh and died for us." Arm yourselves like warriors, with the same purpose. What purpose? Being willing to being willing to suffer for doing what is right and pleasing God, because that that is exactly what Christ's purpose was. Because whoever has suffered in the flesh, being like-minded with Christ. Is done. Is done with intentional sin, having stopped pleasing the world. Why? So that he can no longer spend the rest of his natural life living for human appetites and desires, but lives for the will. And purpose of God, Amen. Listen, we cannot be in Christ and still live reckless lives. You are going to be absolutely miserable. That's a double a double minded person. You can't listen. You cannot be in two kingdoms at the same time. That's why Jesus says over there in the book of Revelation, "I rather you be either hot or cold, because all of this lukewarmness 
Jesus says, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out. So we cannot on Monday through Thursday trying to live godly. But then once the the weekend rolls around, oh, well, we are back sleeping around down at the clubs and the bars. No. Mm-mm. That's not how this is going to go out. Listen, verse three, four, right? Because he was saying that once we become like-minded with Christ, being willing to suffer for doing what is right, because you you are going to lose a lot, a lot of friends and family members along this ride. Okay, being willing to suffer for doing what is right and pleasing to God, right? And how we are done with intentional sin. So, verse 3, for the time already past is more than enough for doing what the unsaved Gentiles like to do. Listen, Peter says enough is enough. It is now time to live godly. This is not the time to be going back to the past, doing what we once done. No, absolutely not. So listen, for the time already past is more than enough. Enough for doing what the unsaved Gentiles like to do, which is what? Living un- unrestrained as you have done. See? In a course of shameless sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking, drinking parties. What? The Bible says drinking parties. And wanton idolatries. So... We all may not like to look back at the past because who really wants to look back at the past? Aren't we not shameful of the things we once once participated in? It's shameful. It is a blazing shame how we act like there was not a God looking at all of this, writing this stuff down. These past sins are in the Bible for a reason. That when we lay our eyes upon this, we can look in reflection and bless God for his grace and his mercy that he did not kill us while we were what? Let's go over the list again. In our shameless sensuality, our lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and wanton idolatries. Glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for your your mercy and your kindness and your forbearance while we were idiots. Yeah, I said it. We were idiots. We were fools. 
Listen, verse 4. In connection with all of this, they, the unbelievers, are resentful. They are resentful and surprised that you do not think like them, nor value what they value and run hand in hand with them in the same excess of dispensation. Let's look, let's, let's look up this word. Dissipation. I meant to say dissipation. Look, dissipation is debauchery, decadence. What it says here, wildness, corruption, vice, immorality, impurity, self-indulgence. These people, it says they resent. They resent and are surprised that you do not think like them. You want to know why we don't think like them anymore? Because the Holy Spirit is renewing our minds. So at one time, yeah, a year ago, oh, I was down at the club too. Yeah, six months ago, yeah, we were all smoking weed together, cutting up, carousing, having drinking parties. Really? Yep, that, that's the life, the reckless life. Had it not been for the Lord Jesus Christ to lay down his life as a, as a sacrificial lamb, appeasing the holy wrath of God on our behalf, we will all be on our way to a burning hell. But Jesus, glory be to God, his blood was shed on that cross, making atonement for our sins so that we can be in right standing with the Father. We now stand in righteousness all because of Christ Jesus. Jesus is preeminent. He's the one that gets the highlight and the spotlight and the lordship in our lives no more with all of these false god worships idolatries sorceries fornications adulteries homosexual lifestyles uh-uh and the people that we used to hang around with and family members and co-workers and strangers think there's something strange with us because we no longer want to do what they do. We no longer think the same. Yeah, so they will resent you. The Bible just told us they will resent you. And look, it says, right, they, the unbelievers, are resentful and surprised that you do not think like them, value their values, <laughs> nope, and run hand in hand with them into the same excesses of dissipation and immoral freedom. They believe they have all of this freedom because they don't have to answer to a righteous and holy God. Really? Okay, well, we fit... We are finna see about that, okay? Because 
all that immoral freedom they think they have, oh, it's going to come to a screeching halt. So listen, it says, and, because if that wasn't enough, and they criticize and abuse and ridicule you and make fun of your values. Because you see, if we are not strong in the Lord, that will crush someone. That these people whom you love and valued their friendship, for now, for them to abuse you, sometimes it is physical. But, but for the most part, it's, it's verbal. It is verbal. They, they criticize you, abuse you, and they ridicule you. They mock and scoff at you. What? You mean to tell me that you believe in a God that you can't see? How do we know he even exists? Come on, you know you want to stay smoking this weed right along with the rest of us. Listen, we can all party in hell together. No, Miss Missy, no, we ain't. Uh-uh. So all we try to do is to warn them that they are in eternal spiritual danger. No, we not. Girl, stop talking about that. You you are you are killing our high. Rather you get this rebuke now because you don't want to come out of that bodysuit and stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think so. So yeah, look, but oh no, let's go back up, right? And make fun of your values because see now your values have changed. You are living a life of repentance. You now have boundaries. No longer are you this open door to their dissipation, to all of their excess, all of that self-indulgence, all of that vice, corruption, lechery, all of that gone gone no no more are you looking to squander your life no longer are you looking to waste time no longer are you looking to drain and deplete your life at one time you had no problem losing things giving up things being taken advantage of because in your mind you thought that that was part and parcel of what it means to be attached to this world. Easy come, easy go. Really? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. No more reckless living. So, verse 6. Um, nope. Verse 5. But... Okay, because if they thought they were having the big time fun with all of this immoral freedom. Okay, verse 5 of 1 Peter 4. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge and pass sentence on the living and the dead. And when is this sentencing 
going to take place? Well, my friend, it is called Judgment Day. Let's read it. Revelation 20, 11 to 15 tells us. Let me put the glasses on so I can see. And the devil that deceived them, uh-huh, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is John. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books, the books, folks, everything we have ever done, good or bad, is being written in these books. It says, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead, verse 13, which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15 is so telling. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Amen. So, I don't know who this message is for. It's, it's for the saints. Also, it is for the sinner who must repent. Living like the devil is not going to get you to a party in hell. You will not be partying in hell as you await this final judgment. Uh-uh. Oh, absolutely not. So, all the clubbing that you think is so much fun, all the parading around in nakedness you think is the big time fun, drinking and smoking and, and carousing, flirting and sleeping around with everybody all of this wanton idolatries uh-uh you ain't free you you think you are free because if you don't admit and realize that there is a god that has this elaborate recording system and library in heaven that is writing down all of your deeds Okay, if you don't believe in him, you believe that you don't have to give an account for the way you live. But rest assured, the Bible is clear. This is just one of the many scriptures 
that tells us that when Jesus returns, He will have His reward with Him, and He will give to every man according to His works, whether good or bad. And that's the facts of the case. But for the fact you don't believe it, does it make it not so? Absolutely not. So, for this is why. Okay? Because verse 5 just told us, But they will have to give an account to him who is ready. He, oh, the Lord is ready. Let me underline the word ready. He is ready to judge and pass, underline the word pass, sentence on the living and the dead. For this is why the good news of salvation was preached in their lifetimes, even to those who are dead, that though they were judged in the flesh as men are, they may live in the spirit according to the will and purpose of God. Amen. So listen, you unrepented. You must come to Christ Jesus. Listen, all joking aside, okay, this is not condemnation. This is not judgment. This is alerting you to the fact that you are in danger. Your soul is in danger to be thrown into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone if you do not repent. You must change your thinking. You must stop sinning and turn to Jesus in full and full obedience. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. We were all on that broad way to a burning hell. So, when you hear the message of salvation, listen, it is good news because see right now is bad news for you just like it was for the rest of us. It is bad news that you will die in your sins if you don't repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The good news is that God in heaven had compassion on mankind. He loved mankind so much that he sent his one and only begotten son the Lord Jesus Christ, to this sin-sick, dying, violating of a world to die for your sins on the cross. The Bible is going to tell us because we are going to get there that the wages of sin is death, eternally to be eternally separated from God and his son over here in this lake of fire. That, that Revelation 20 talks of. So God made a way in his mercy and his compassion and his love and long suffering. That while we were yet enemies of his, Christ died. Christ died on your behalf, taking the penalty that was rightly due to you because listen up, we sinned against holy God. Jesus was perfect and sinless. He took on the 
awesome purpose of God to come down to this world, to be born through the womb of a virgin, to walk as a man in the flesh on this earth, to die a sinner's death on your behalf so that the wrath, the righteous, holy, we got it coming to us, wrath of God will would no longer be upon you. So Jesus laid down his life. Isaiah 42 talks about what he looked like up there on the cross. It was brutal. The death he died, it was painful, brutal, violent, bloody, mutilating. Mm -mm. Don't believe the false images of the Roman Catholic pagan church with all of their false Christ hanging up there on a cross looking peaceful. Yeah, he has a sorry look on his face, but for the most part, peaceful as if he died in peace. <sighs> Folks, we got to understand the the tragedy that took place. Jesus allowed himself to be smitten of God so that we can have a restored relationship back to our creator. Because that fellowship with holy God, it was broken in the Garden of Eden. Read Genesis. At one time, man had perfect fellowship with the Father where Adam and God walked in the garden together in the cool of the day. And then sin entered the picture through, through their disobedience. And that every person born after Adam was born into sin with a spirit that was dead. Yeah, physically, we were born alive, okay? But that spirit on the, on the inside is just as dead as a doornail. We ain't no God. We, we had no idea of the fellowship that we once had with God in Adam. Even though we wasn't, wasn't on this earth yet. But in Adam, yeah, before the fall, we had perfect relationship. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And so, being born into sin as a sinner, because only thing you had to do to become a sinner was to be born. And then, once you came into the world, without knowing God, our parents... Who've, who've may or may not have known God, they needed a savior too. And for a lot of us, we grew up just as devil children as our parents. So we learned from this world how to behave recklessly, how to live in debauchery, how to be liars and killers and thieves and revilers and fornicators idolaters, homosexuals. We learned it all from this world. But 
Jesus said we must be born again. And that is why the Pharisee Nicodemus said, basically, what you mean born again? I'm old. How how can I go back into my mother's womb to be born again? Because see, Jesus was giving him some spiritual insight. That spirit on the inside of us needs to be regenerated. It needs to be born again so that the flesh man on the outside, it would now have to line up with that recreated, regenerated spirit man on the inside. As we get downloaded heavenly information from the Holy Spirit into our regenerated spirit, well, guess what? This flesh now is going to have to line up no more of this reckless living. And if you forgot what that reckless life looks looked like, First Peter chapter 4 is giving us some of the insight. So look, let's, we're worried, right? Verse 6, for this is why, oh, right. This is what I wanted to say. That through Christ Jesus, God has made a way for us to be reconciled back to him. And the good news is that through Christ Jesus, God's wrath will no longer be upon you. That you can have your past sins forgiven. All of those drunken parties, idolatries, Uh, Sleeping around, lying, stealing, killing, cutting up, all of that can be washed away. Nailed to the cross as if it never happened. Why? Because in Christ, we have been justified. We have been given a pardon. We were on our way to certain eternal destruction. But for the love of God for the world, he sent a savior. Glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He sent a savior to die on the cross for our sins. And then he was buried. And on the third day, by the power and glory to God, he raised Christ Jesus out of the grave. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power and your work. So, we now have an advocate in heaven. Now, we must get on board with the sanctification process because once we have been justified, once we now are in right standing with our Creator, now that we have been made right, because it wasn't... It wasn't anything we could have done to make this right. Nothing. No amount of good works. No amount of church going. No amount of how many times you read the Bible. No many times how you fed the homeless. None of that would have been good enough to appease the wrath of God. So somebody had to pay the price. Somebody had to pay that price. Only the precious blood, the untainted blood of Jesus was the only blood that could 
atone for our sins. And he was the last lamb to be sacrificed. That's it. There is no more sacrifice for sins. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way. I'm the, I'm the life. No, I'm the truth. And I'm the life. No one, absolutely no one comes to the Father but through Christ Jesus. It's not through Muhammad. It's not through Buddha. It's certainly not through the Roman Catholic pagan church. It's not through the Mormons. It's not through Jehovah Witnesses. It's not through the billion countless Hindu gods and and Asian gods. Nope. Mm-mm. Christ Jesus. That is why this world hates Jesus. You want to know why this world, this pagan, Babylonian, Luciferian, Illuminati, Freemason world hate Christ Jesus? Because they are a child of the devil and the devil hates Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, you must be born again. You must be born again. Otherwise, you will go to hell when you die. And that's the facts. Whether or not you believe in a hell or not doesn't negate the fact that there are people right there wishing they can tell you don't come here. So, how we doing on time? I tell you, I, I be having lessons and the Holy Spirit be like, yeah, well, this is my show. You right, Lord. You right. It is your show. So look, right, verse 7, 1 Peter 4, the end and culmination of all things is near. Therefore, here's another therefore, be sound-minded and self-controlled for the purpose of prayer. This is why Peter is saying for us to be sound-minded and self-controlled. Why? For the purpose of prayer, staying balanced and focused on the things of God so that your communication will be clear reasonable, specific, and pleasing to him. Amen. Listen, it don't work to come to God in prayer when there is blood on your hands, when you have a guilty conscience, when you know you ain't got no business being back in sin, and then you want to come to God in prayer. It don't work. The... The guiltiness of it all will hinder you from being in communication. It will keep you off balance. It will keep you unfocused on the things of God. So you won't be pleasing to him. It won't be reasonable. You, you cannot. Okay. Because don't be deceived. Because you got people that will say, oh, I pray better when I'm high. No, you need to repent because you're being foolish. Ain't no way in the world, okay, 
as they say, show me in scripture where it says that God answers the prayer of the one who, who is smoking weed. No, he answers the prayers of the righteous, the one who is not smoking the weed. We got to wake up. Look, verse eight, above all have vervent and unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. It overlooks unkindness and unselfishly seeks the best for others. And the cross reference to this, I love this, Proverbs 10. So let's quickly come over here to Proverbs 10, verse 12. Sorry about that. It says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers and overwhelms all transgressions, forgiving and overlooking another's fault. Amen. And so as I was reading that, my eyes, okay, my eyes jumped down to verse 16. But in between from verse 13 to 15, Look, it says in verse 13, on the lips of the discerning, skillful and godly wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, skillful and godly wisdom is found. But discipline and the rod are for the back of the one who is without common sense and understanding. Talking about a reckless life. This is the life of the one who refuses to repent and come to Christ. But discipline and the rod are for the back, okay, of the one who is without common sense and understanding. Wise men, okay, on the other hand. Wise men store up and treasure knowledge in mind and heart. But with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at the hand. Is at hand. Yeah, that means this is what you can expect. When you are undisciplined, with no self-control, you are living in immoral freedom. No, my friend, you must repent. And for the saint who forgets that we walk by faith and not by sight, so that when a test, trial, or a tribulation come into our lives, the first thing we want to do is run back out there in the world to seek comfort. Uh-uh. You ain't going to find no comfort and you ain't going to find no peace. And that is why, thank you, Lord, as I was studying out these scriptures, I was like, yo, this is how we once lived. So it's good to be reminded where we are in the faith, where, where we've come from, how far we have come and how much more we need to get to. But we should never forget that we should not want to go back out there in the world because all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of your eyes and the pride of life. No, we don't want to go back to that living without God, making decisions on our own, inviting chaos into our lives, being miserable, being depressed, being overworked and stressed out, being super emotional, having no self-control whatsoever, being like-minded with children of disobedience. You think you have friends and then they stab you in the back. You, you believe you are in the perfect relationship until they either leaves, leave or, or cheats on you or abuse you or just so unequally yoked. It's not even funny. Who wants to go back to that life now that you are in the Lord, now that you have tasted the goodness of his kindness, mercy, and grace? No, because Jesus was talking to his disciples. I believe it's like John 6, verse 66 to 67, maybe starting at verse 65 to maybe all the way to 70, okay? When some of the disciples, because see, Jesus had his core 12, right? But then he also had other disciples. And he was noticing one by one, they were falling off and leaving him. And so he turned to the 12 and said, are you going to leave me too? Right? Peter, and I so stand with Peter, Peter on this sentiment. He says, no, Lord, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Matter of fact, let's, let's, let's go to that. Because that is exactly my sentiment. Where else am I going to go? Because I ain't going back out there into the world. Oh, you can forget that. That world tried to chew me up and spit me out. Oh, absolutely not. So look, where we go. A bad, right. Yep, here we go. What is this? John 6, starting at verse 66. Let's see. Um, do I want to go? But still, some of you who do not believe have faith, or okay, yeah. So, and he was saying, okay, in verse 65, and he was saying, because these, these are the words to the disciples. Do I want to start at 59? Because, yeah, okay. To pull it all into context. And this is going to be the close. Okay. So look. Because basically, basically all has been said. Right. Because. Hold on. Oh yeah. I wanted to. I know I'm over the place. Hush. Listen. Going back real quick. Okay. Put put a little pin pause in John 6 and come back over here to Proverbs 10 because starting in verse 16 because as I was saying I was up at verse 12 and then my eyes jumped down to verse 16 and I was like oh wait a minute where have I heard this before it says in verse 16 of Proverbs 10 the wages of the righteous the upright those in right standing with God is, is a worthwhile, meaningful life. Let me read that again. The wages of the righteous, 
the wages of the righteous. The upright, those in right standing with God is a worthwhile, meaningful life. The income of the wicked is punishment. Where have we seen that before? Romans 6, 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Let's see, verse 17. He who learns from instruction and correction is on the right path of life. And for others, his example is a path toward wisdom and blessing. But he, but he who ignores and refuses correction goes off course. And for others, his example is a path toward sin and ruin. Amen. What I super love about the book of Proverbs it constantly gives us a contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Yeah, because the path of the righteous is shiny and bright that leads to eternal life. But the path of the wicked who ignores and refuses correction, they go off course. They lead a path of ruin and destruction heading towards that lake of fire if they do not repent. And those who follow them, well, their example is setting up a path toward sin and ruin. But the one who learns from instruction and correction is on the right path of life. And for others, his example is a path toward wisdom and blessing. So yeah, it does matter. It does matter who you hang around with. Birds of a feather flock together. We are called to have absolutely nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness and those who willfully participate in it. And if it is a close family member... We deal with them at arm's length because they have long ago told us to stop preaching them repentance. They just want to be left alone in their sin. They, they believe there are many pathways to God and that, and, the, and their God is the God that tells them that as long as they are a good person, I may not do everything right, but I'm not out here killing and stealing and robbing people. Leave me to my little weed smoking and watching cable news and I'm good. So stop preaching me repentance. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, well you know what? Well, then if need be, then we, then we'll communicate. But every day I can't. I can't because I'm doing what the Bible told me to train myself to be holy. And I can't do that family member that I love. Okay. I can't do that being around in your company because look, listen, I love Jesus more. I love him more. Yeah, but I gave birth to you. Yeah, but I'm your uncle. Yeah, but I'm your grandparent. True. True. But guess what? You ain't going to live forever either. 
You did not die for my sins. I'm not going to live forever. So as we both standing at judgment on judgment day, I can't look to you to save me. So, uh-uh. Nope. I got the memo. I'm trying to give you the memo. God ain't playing with that lake of fire. So, there we go with that. So, right. Come back over here to John 6. Because at the end of the day, and this is the close. At the end of the day, Christ Jesus reigns supreme. He is preeminent. He get the highlight and the spotlight in your life. And no, we cannot love anyone more than we love him. Because you want to know why? He's the only one that laid down his life in pain for you. So that you will no longer be on that broad way to hell. And then as you await the final judgment. No. Nope. And so that always brings me back to the conversation Jesus was having, was having with his disciples. So look, real quick, John 6, starting at verse 59. Look, he said these things in a synagogue while he was teaching in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard this, because prior to that, well, I say in your own study time, read verses 41 to 58, because in verse 58, leading obviously to verse 59, Jesus was saying, see, I, I got to read starting at 56. No, I got. Uh, okay. Okay. It, it's just folks. Listen. I love the word of God. And whenever I go to a scripture, I always look above and some good news there. And then I look further above more good news. Then I look further above and then I just read the whole chapter. Okay. So look, verse 54, <laughs> verse 54. Listen, bear with me. It's good to be in study. So listen, listen. Okay. Verse 54 of John 6. The one who eats my flesh, this is Jesus, obviously. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood believes in me, accepts me as Savior. Amen. Has eternal life. That is now possesses it. And I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. For my flesh is true spiritual food and my blood is true spiritual drink he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood believes in me accepts me as savior remains in me and i in the same way remain in him just as the living father sent me and I live because of the Father. Even so, the one who feeds on me, believes in me, accepts me as Savior, will also live because of me. <sighs> Glory be to God. Listen, verse 58. This is the bread, capital B, 
which came down out of heaven. It is not like the manna that our fathers ate and they eventually died. The one who eats this bread believes in me, accepts me as Savior, will live forever. Verse 59. He he said these things in a synagogue while he was teaching in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard this, they said, This is a difficult and harsh and offensive statement. Who can be expected to listen to it? Really? Hmm. But Jesus, aware that his disciples were complaining about it, asked them, Does this cause you to stumble and take offense? What then will you think if you see the Son of Man ascending to the realm where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit. It is of no account. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, providing eternal life. Verse 64, but still, you got the living God telling them that the words he speak <laughs> is spirit and truth and, um, and spirit and life, providing eternal life and still. But still, there are some of you who do not believe and have faith. Jesus in person, talking to them eyeball to eyeball. Now, whether or not it was revealed to those disciples who he really were, but the fact that they were his disciples believed that he is the Messiah. But just like with us, unfortunately, there are some things that Jesus teaches that we still in the 21st century can't seem to accept. Well, I have reckoned with my mind that whatever Jesus has spoken, I am going to accept them whether or not I understand it. Because I'm of the mindset that, yes, I agree with it. Holy Spirit, teach it to me. That's it. I'm not going to shrink back and go, no, because since I don't understand it, so I'm not going to believe it. No, Jesus said that his words provide eternal life. So if that is what we are seeking rather than a reckless life, yeah, we hang on every word of the master. So now look, verse 64. But still, there are some of you who do not believe and have faith. For Jesus knew from the beginning who did not believe and who would betray him. Mm-hmm. Verse 65. And he was saying, this is the reason why I have told you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him. That is, unless he is enabled to do so by the Father. Did y'all just catch that nugget? Jesus said that he knew from the beginning. What beginning? From the beginning of the foundation of the world. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said that, he said up in verse 64, Jesus knew from the beginning who did not believe and who would betray him. Mm -hmm. So all of those who want to fight about predestination, who wants to fight about elect, how it's not fair that if it's true or not that God already knows who going to accept Jesus or not or who would betray him if he already knew who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell. What's the purpose of preaching the gospel and all this foolishness? This is not the hour to be going back and forth with mere mortals about what Jesus has to say. It is time to accept what he has already spoken. Jesus knew from the beginning who did not believe and who would betray him. And he was saying, this is the reason. He's saying this because he knew from the beginning who would not believe and who would betray him. He, he was saying, this is the reason why I have told you. I told you this, that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him. So that means all this free will about us coming to Christ because we want to. Well, we know that can be true because Romans 10. Romans. No, I'm sorry, Romans 3 verse 10 says, no one seeks for God. So how is it that we come to Christ? We come to Christ because the Father, look, the Father draws us to Christ. Okay, we can have a free will about whether or not we're going to sin, whether or not I'm going to put on the blue dress today or the red dress. Whether or not I'm going to have steak or fish tonight for dinner. But as far as having a free will and coming to Christ, well, that's debunked. Because Jesus, in red, is telling us how we come. He says in verse 65, this is the reason because he already said how he knew from the beginning who was going to betray him and who was not going to believe. And he said, this is the reason why I told you that no one come to me unless it has been granted him. It has to be granted unto you to come to Christ, meaning it is God who draws you. Because it says that is unless he is enabled to do so by the Father. So, I'm no Bible scholar. I'm a Christ follower. And if he says that no man comes to him unless the father draws him and enables him to do it in the first place because no one seeks God. Romans 3 just told us that, look, none is righteous. Nope, not one. Uh, verse 11 of Romans 3. No one understands. No one seeks for God. 
Verse 12, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. So we know, aside from the Father drawing us to Jesus, we ain't coming to Jesus because of our own free will. No, we are incapable of doing so. So, verse 66, as a result of this, many of his disciples abandoned him and no longer walked with him. Yeah. Because see, Jesus was laying down the truth. And many of his disciples, they couldn't, they couldn't handle the truth. <laughs> okay? They couldn't handle the truth. And so many of them abandoned him and no, and no longer walked with him. 67. So, right? So, Jesus said to the 12 disciples, you do not want to leave too, do you? <laughs> Jesus was like, so y'all want to leave too? Because everyone else dropping off like flies, right? So Peter, oh, Peter, I'm so glad that John recorded this, this conversation for us to hear. I mean, to, to read. So Jesus said to the twelve, disciples do you not want to leave too do you Simon Peter answered Lord to whom shall we go you alone have the words of eternal life you are our only hope y'all pray for me so I don't start busting out in tears right now because this mm-mm-mm <sighs> This is the crux of our faith. You, Lord Jesus, are our only hope. Where else are we going to go? Verse 69. Pull it together, girl. Okay. We have believed and confidently trust and even, Lord, give me strength. Okay. We have believed and confidently trusted and even more. We, we have come to know. By personal observation and experience that you are let me get through this that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Verse seventy. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve disciples? And yet one of you is a devil, an ally of Satan. Now he was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, 
for he, one of the twelve, was about to betray him. Amen. I'm telling you, when the real Jesus Christ shows up in your life, it changes everything. No more do we want to live reckless, out of control, abandoned lives. Absolutely not. Where else are we going to go? Our only hope is in the son of the living God who loved us, who, who laid down his life for us. So yes, we have believed and confidently trusted. And even more, we have come to know. We have come to know by personal observation and experience that you, Lord Jesus, are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, oh, hallowed be thy holy name. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for sending the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because, Father, I echo Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You are our only hope. Father, there is no other hope for mankind but Jesus Christ. May we all come to the knowledge that Jesus is the Savior of the world and that, and that through his sacrifice, you have made a way for a sinful man to be reconciled back to you, our heavenly creator. So, Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace and your and your your justice and righteousness. Thank you for saving your people from the foundation of the world. Cuz Jesus just told us he knew he knew from the beginning who would betray him and who would not believe. We may not all fully understand the intricate details of that. Nonetheless, nonetheless, we believe it because he said it. And by faith, we believe it. Glory be to your name, Father. Thank you. And I pray that today's lesson brought you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. There we go. <laughs> there we go with that. Y'all got me up here crying and everything. Another one in the can. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Amen.
Amen. All right, folks, Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.